Welcome to uh, Warren Community Church. It seems like we're having some difficulties here, which we'll take care of in a minute. But it doesn't change that we've gathered here to worship our God and to give him honor and to give him glory. And so I invite you to stand this morning as we sing about the Christmas joy that Christmas Day brings us. Christmas, sing all you people, the Lord Almighty reigns. Sing every 
Today we light the Advent candle of joy. This flame represents the radiant joy that fills our hearts as we anticipate the birth of Jesus. Just as a small light can fill a dark room, may the joy of Christ illumine our lives and bring hope to those around us. Joy is at the heart of the Christmas story. It's the overwhelming emotion that filled the hearts of the shepherds as they heard the angelic proclamation of Jesus' birth in Luke 2. But the angels said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a son has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. It's the profound realization that God has come to live among us. The long-awaited Messiah has come, bringing salvation, hope, and everlasting joy to the world. As we journey through Advent, let's embrace the joy that Jesus offers us. We can replace, we can sorry, rejoice in, in his presence. His grace and his redemptive work in our lives. May this joy inspire us as we share, share his love and hope with others, illuminating their past and bringing joy to their hearts. In a moment, we will sing a song that invites us to come and adore him, bow down before him, sing hallelujah to the light of the world. With these words, we join with the shepherds, knowing that our Savior has come and continues to bring joy into our lives. Father God, thank you for the gift of joy that comes through Jesus. Fill us with your overflowing joy and empower us to share it with those around us. Help us to become beacons of joy in our world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Christmas. I'm going to ask you all stand and say hi to somebody. Wish them a Merry Christmas and joy for the day. 
All right, that's enough joy. I want to welcome you this morning. We have a very special guest. Kyle Didion is here from Kiki's Ministry, and uh, we have been supporting them for a a good amount of time, but also Vacation Bible School this year. Uh, We had a big drive for supporting Kiki, and so Kyle's going to share with us what's going on and the latest things, and we're going to pray over that ministry. So, Kyle? Thank you. Good morning. Um, My name is Kyle Didion, and I'm here representing Kiki's Charity. Uh, Our home base, uh, U.S. home base, is in Southern California, so that's where I live. And, of course, we support um, the migrant Muslim poor living in the slum communities of the capital city of Bangladesh, which is called Dhaka. And uh, you have been supporting us uh, since the very beginning of this ministry, which started in 2020. And uh, Warren Community Fellowship has been a real pillar of support for the ministry. Uh, When it started, it started with a little girl and her grandpa supporting one family giving a scholarship. uh, And that was in 2019. And now there's 375 scholarships happening, and that will increase to 524. In in, in 2023, we had over 100 baptisms um, amongst the Muslim poor. And there's 341 people awaiting or preparing for baptism right now, going through pre-baptism classes. So new new believers. Yeah. Um, we've partnered over the last three years with 44 migrant schools, and they have 2,000, 2, no, I'm sorry, 20,000 students in these schools. Um, so there's a real network, and we feel like we're really in the midst of a spiritual awakening among the poor in Bangladesh. So uh, I'm here this morning really just to say thank you. Thank you for your support over the years. We couldn't have done it uh, without your support. And uh, the first VBS actually program happened here at Warren Community Fellowship. And uh, we took that model and we took it to other churches. And uh, so many other VBSs and children have really benefited from what Warren Community Fellowship started. So we just want to say thank you on behalf of the staff here. And of course, on behalf of uh, all of the families that have been supported in Bangladesh and all of the people that have come to know Jesus, we just want to say thank you very much for that. And I did bring a video uh, this morning to show you um, some of the updates that are happening. Before you, with you before, Warren Wiersbe says this, Ministry takes place when divine resources meets human needs through loving channels for the glory of God. And you think about uh, how ministry began in 2019 with just the vision of one. And now it's expanded beyond and continues. So we're going to pray that that ministry would continue to expand. So let's pray over Kyle and, and by extension, the whole ministry. So let's pray now. God, I thank you. Kyle, I thank you for the ministry here for Kiki's Charity and how it's going beyond just uh, just one family into whole households coming to faith. Lord, we know that we can partner with these ministries and, and though we may never see Dhaka or, or go to Bangladesh, it is by extension, Father, that, that we are there and we're supporting the ministry. So Lord, may you continue to raise up laborers because the harvest is is truly plentiful the laborers are few and the resources are are needed so lord we pray we pray blessing over them and and father may you continue to do a whole work and then we thank you for kyle bringing this to our attention and 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 coming and, and helping us understand more and more the ministry and how to pray in jesus name amen, amen. Well, thank, thank you brother you. thank you we're going to continue our worship through giving now as the ushers come forward for this morning's offering God, I thank you that we could gather in this place. Lord, I pray that that you would use these resources for your kingdom's sake. 
God, as we worship you in spirit and in truth, we also worship you with the totality of our, our person and our being. That, God, we would honor you with the first fruits of that which you've given to us. That we would honor you with our voices and our lives. We'd honor you with our attention to your word. Holy Spirit, teach us. May we not leave this building, this place, the same way we came in. But may we leave a little bit more transformed into the image of Christ. With a greater understanding of your word and your truth. Lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Angels from the realms of glory, wing your flight o'er all the earth. He who sang creation's story, now proclaim Messiah's birth. Come and worship, come and worship, worship Christ the newborn King.
you came and we thank you that it's because you came that we can experience the great joy that you can only give. And so we rejoice in your presence today that you have come and that there is great joy in knowing. And so God, we worship you today and we ask that as we look into your word now, 
that you would teach us, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The sons of earth toil under dark, rolling storms. The daughters of the land carry their own loads of strife. And out of the inky night, the shepherds guard the vulnerable that sit under their care and wait for dawn's helping hand. Then, without warning, a horizon is born, not from beneath the earth, but from heaven above, bending every knee that witnesses it, flooding hard hearts with wonders of light and love, striking fear and awe into the bravest soul. It blinds those who see, it gives sight to those who don't. The good news of great joy streams from the mouths of angels he has been born, Christ the Lord. So leaving the only security they know, the shepherds flee their fields, the magi leave their homes, all toward the light of hope they'd heard of all their lives with zeal flowing through their veins. And look into the eyes of the author of light and life. They touch the fingers of the hand that formed them and watch the breath of God appear in the world he made. The earth, once hunched with despair, lifts her head and receives her king. And the men who God chose to tell run through Bethlehem and sound the joy, shout the wonders of his love to all who hear. Your eternal king is born. When we take a look at this world today, and we consider all that's going on, we find it hard to find joy. And we know that over 2,000 years ago, that joy was born, that Jesus was born, and he, he came to bring joy to this world, yet it's hard to find joy in the midst of darkness. And it seems like this world is becoming darker and darker, doesn't it? A little bit less joyful. And I got to thinking, why is it that so many people are, are finding it hard to find joy these days? And then I started doing some, some research because it, it, it almost seems as if it's getting genera generationally worse, generationally darker within them. So I looked up some, some statistics and some things that maybe would shed some understanding on this. And it's probably not going to be new to you, but should be eye-opening in that. The statistics are showing, again, according to Pew Research, 70% of teens state that they live a joyless life because of anxiety and depression. Would you agree with that? 55% state that they struggle with bullying. 51% struggle with drug addiction. 45% alcohol addiction. And 40% poverty. Our teenagers, our, our next generation, are struggling with life and the darkness that all comes in. One in ten adults 
say they struggle with loneliness. Teen pop star and Grammy Award winner Billie Eilish, 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 whatever, I'm glad you all know who this is. I know her by picture. But she was, and, and this, is, this is a 17-year-old that's a Grammy Award winner, right? Says this, quote, She didn't think that she, made, that she would make it past 17. I was so unhappy last year. I was so unhappy. And I was, like, so joyless. At 17, at the top of, of her game within this. And so many people look up to her in, as a role model and others that do that. One school counselor that was interviewed said this, quote, I have had more students this year hospitalized for anxiety, depression, and other men- mental health issues than ever. There's just so much going on this day and age. The pressures to fit in, the pressures to achieve, the pressures of social media. Our high schools are full of joyless students. In Clinical Psychology Science magazine, one article points to this. 33% increase of students that feel useless and joyless and 31% increase in teen suicide over the last two years. One of the interesting points in the article as I read through that was that teens, and this, this was mind-blowing, teens that spent five or more hours a day were 71% more likely than those who spent one hour a day to have a suicidal ideation. You know what that means? Spending five or more hours a day on social media raises the suicidal ideation in a teenager by 71%. Huge when we think about this. And if you take that out within this and, and take a look at the world and how much time people are spending on social media, social media is robbing people of their joy. Why? Because the darkness of the world is pushing in and reframing the mind and the thought. Now, when we think about this, and I don't, I'm not about becoming the screen time police, but when you start taking a look at statistics and the impacts that it's having, and you take a look at society and you say, well, why, why are we becoming a joyless society? Because our younger generations are becoming joyless. Why? Because God's getting pushed to the margins and outside of their purview. It is very difficult to find God or anything that relates to God and joy in social media or in our society today. It's not because joy isn't present. It's joy has been hidden in the darkness of this world. And the weary soul is lost and tired and can't find direction and looking for answers, but they're looking in the wrong place. They're looking to the world to bring joy. They're looking for money to bring joy or some of these other things that will bring them joy. And if they can't find joy, then they'll escape. They'll escape life in a lot of different ways. How does the weary world find joy? You find joy in Jesus. In John chapter 8, verse 12, 
Jesus spoke to them says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me, note, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. You're not going to find it in social media. You're not going to find it in the society. You're not going to find it in the world. You're going to find joy in Jesus. And discovering the message that brings forth joy. The weary soul is not finding joy because the weary soul is walking in darkness. And the way to be able to find joy is to walk in the light. The light of Christ. We know this because of the way that the Bible portrays Jesus as the light of the world. Joy and happiness understand this. As often as joy and happiness are used interchangeably, joy is not happiness. Some people will say, do you have joy? And really are they asking the question, are you happy? Well, joy and happiness is not the same thing. Although we use them interchangeably. Happiness is an emotional state. Joy is a state of mind. Happiness is contingent on circumstances in the situation that's around you. Joy is the state of mind that can exist even in turmoil, even in hardship within this. We see that Harvard School of Medicine found an interesting study. And I know I'm throwing a lot out to you, but I want, to, I want you to understand this. Harvard School of Medicine did a study, and their study was this. Good news promotes joy because good news changes the dopamine. It releases dopamine, serotonin, and endorphin levels in our brain. When you hear good news, it releases chemicals in your brain that brings you joy. So what did the study prove? The study proved that good news brings joy. When you hear good news, it releases all of these chemicals in your brain to bring about joy. That means joy is found in good news. Joy is found in the gospel. It is the good news, which brings us to Isaiah's passage. Isaiah 61.1 says this, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring what? Good news to whom? The afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and freedom to prisoners. God did not design the Holy Spirit to bring happiness. God sent the Holy Spirit to bring joy, good news, that will bring you Joy in your affliction within this. It's the good news that is sent forth. In Luke 2.10 says this of the angels. The angel said to them, do not be afraid for behold, I bring you what? Good news for great joy, which will be for whom? All the people. We're going to walk through two sections of scripture that you're very familiar with. That that will unveil this joy. One group are going to be the Magi, and the other group are going to be the Shepherds. And we're going to compare the two groups in our study this morning and taking a look at 
at where they come. I'm not going to read through both passages. We're going to unpack them as we do that today. But I'm going to ask that you stand as, as we just pray over this and surrender our hearts to hear from God. God, I thank you. As we stand before you, we are a people that are living in a dark world, but we, as believers, are walking in the light of the gospel that brings good news. Lord, help us to understand this message that brings good news. Not only that we would be able to walk in joy, even though we're in this darkened world, but we'll be able to give the good news to others, that they too will have the joy of salvation, the joy of eternal life. God, that they would know what joy is. Lord, we ask that you would teach us now by your Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated. We're going to be in two passages. And so you're going to want to open up to Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And then also Luke chapter 2, uh, verses 8 through, I think it's uh, 10. One of the things that, that we've got to understand is this. In order to have joy, you have to receive an invitation. Do you know that God has invited mankind into his joy? God extends an invitation for you to experience this joy. He has come out of eternity into the darkness to extend an invitation for you to be able to, to have joy in context, Jesus' birth was at a time when the Roman Empire was in control. Israel was an occupied nation. Roman Empire was ruling much of the known world. They were exhibiting this thing called Pax Romana, which by definition was peace, but it was really peace by force. There was really no joy in the Roman Empire within the context of the things that were going on. And, and we see a couple of different things within this. The first one that I want to look at is the, the idea of the Magi that were there. The Magi and, and their discovery of joy was different than the shepherds. And you say, how so? The Magi were given a path to discover joy, and it would take a period of time to do that. It was something that, that God had invited the Magi to join in. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it says this, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who had been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. So we see this invitation that's there. Now, seeking joy requires a diligent action. You have to diligently follow the path that God has set for you within the context of seeking joy. Now, who were these magi? They were not magicians. They, they were not you know, these, these, you know, Manny Mojack kind of guys that were there. We don't know really how many there are that were in the context. We assume that there were three because there were three gifts that were mentioned. They were wise men from the East, from a Chaldean um, school of science. 
they would study all of the sciences and the astrology and religious systems, and they were, they were learned people. Daniel was part of this group within this, and so these were very intelligent, very learned people that looked at everything from a broad spectrum, studied the prophecies from a secular position, looking for different things, and then they saw this anomaly, this star, according to the prophecies, and began to follow this journey. And so they started this journey to move forward. It's a fulfillment of prophecy in Isaiah chapter 60, verse 3. It says this, Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Were they kings? No. They were just wise men, but they were called kings or these magi, and I guess it fit a song, so they wrote We Three Kings. <laughs> Caution, do not get your theology from Christmas carols. <laughs> now, they were told, and according to study, they were told that this, this king would be born, this new ruler of Israel would be born, at the time of this anomaly or this star that would take place, we know that there was prophecy in Micah chapter 5 too. It says this, But as for you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you one will go out forth for me to be ruler of Israel, his goings forth from long ago and from the days of eternity, this eternal king. So what did these, these magi look for? Well, they looked for a king. Well, the smart thing to do if you're going to look for a king of Israel, where do you go? Go to the king's house. So you go to Jerusalem. So they would go to Herod. Herod died in 4 B.C. Based on Herod's reaction in verse 16, as you can read through that, he really didn't know anything about it. He wanted to know the timing of the star, so he would ask these kings these different things. Herod the Great was a horrible, horrible king. He ruled from 34 to 4 B.C. He was half Jewish, half Idumean. Within this, he was a great builder, huge ego, and he was a paranoid leader. He ruled with an iron fist, and he was worried that someone would take his throne. In fact, Herod would even kill some of his own family members in order to keep them from rising up to the throne. Question. Would we consider these dark times? You're under Roman occupant, occupation, and you got a nut for a leader. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe we might. <laughs> if a Magi shows up at that door. <laughs> but we look at this. And these guys, they come in and they ask the question, where is he born king of the Jews? Now, What's important to understand is that statement legitimizes the, the authority of who Jesus is. That he was born king. And he's an outside source that's within this. What were they looking for? They were looking for the new king, but what they didn't understand is they were looking for answers. They were looking for leadership. They were looking for understanding. They saw this star that was rising in the east. And they traveled west. And so God revealed this, this birth in a very unusual way. Now when I think about that, i got to understand the fact that 
God provided a path for Gentiles to come find Jesus. And that path started long ago. Way earlier than the presentation of the angels to the shepherds. For many of you that have come to faith, this tells us that God started your path of joy long before you ever knew anything about Jesus. But it would be a process and, and a system and a direction that God would walk you through to discover Jesus, to discover joy. And for some of you, that, would, that might be growing up maybe in a Christian home or, or, or in, in, in a different area or whatever the case may be. There is one element that is true for God's plan of salvation. God started that plan of salvation long before you and I ever existed. God knew you before the foundations of the world. You are where you are because God wanted you to be where you are so that you would come to hear the gospel and know who Jesus is. To be in that place. And God reveals Himself to all mankind. So everyone, everyone has equal access to the path of joy. Romans chapter 1 verse 20 says this, For since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood though through what was made, so that we are without excuse. Everyone is offered the same path to joy. Everyone. And whether you journey on that path or not, that's entirely up to you. But the wise men were seeking Him. Are there still wise men today? Yeah, there are. There are people that seek. And those that seek the Lord will find Him. The purpose of the search, notice, was to worship this new king. Not from a Jewish position, but just from an acknowledgement of this new deity that had come into play. They did not know that they were going to worship God incarnate. They had no clue. It would take them some time, and for some people it takes them a bit of time to follow the path to follow Christ. You know, it's interesting. I was doing a, a service for somebody who had been praying for their spouse for years. Many years. And they came to faith. I know of somebody that was praying for a brother that prayed for over 40 years until his brother came to faith. What should you be doing? Praying for the salvation of others. What if it takes a long time? That's okay. Pray that God would lead them to the path that leads them to righteousness. To Christ. And keep praying. Well, what about the other group? This shepherd group. God sends a messengers to these shepherds here in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. Now we know this account. Bethlehem, where Jesus was born, was about five miles south of Jerusalem. 
And this little town, this little know-nothing town, was a town that we know that's very famous. But by this time, it was only famous because it was the birthplace of David. It, it really is, even today, not much. When we go to Israel and we go out to the shepherd's fields, and we, Lord willing, we'll be able to do that here in March. When you look up over the shepherd's fields and you look over Bethlehem, it's not this major metropolis that is there. One of the great memories that I have of seeing the old little town of Bethlehem at night from the shepherd's fields and looking at the lights of this area. The shepherds were out grazing outside, guarding their flocks by most likely a tower called Migdal Eder, which is about a mile and a half from Bethlehem within that. Some people believe that these shepherds were, were guarding the temple sheep that were used for temple sacrifice to be into that place. We don't know. But we do know this. Shepherds were considered lower class people. Shepherds were considered ceremonially unclean, unable to worship. These shepherds were out watching their, their flocks in the late fall, because that's when you would do that. You would not have your, she your sheep out in December. You, they would be in the folds by then. Under ban, not, an, not a terribly honored occupation. And angels were sent to go tell them. Now, in contrast to the Magi, who were given everything, the, the, the declaration of the birth of Christ through Scripture and through the stars and creation, the shepherds got a personal invitation, a divine revelation. You imagine being these shepherds and you're hanging out, right? And you're like, okay, there's the sheep. What are we doing? Well, we're just sitting outside. And suddenly... An angel appeared to him. Now, the text talks about a singular angel. This angel did not come floating like all the great, you know, Christmas pageants with wings and glowing and blonde hair, blue eyes and all of that. And in, in fact, the text says that he came and stood by them, which would really freak you out. <laughs> Could you imagine you're sitting there on this knob and you're watching your sheep down there and they're all hanging out and you feel this presence behind you? Suddenly, you're like, oh, what is that? Would you be a little bit afraid? Yeah, absolutely. The angel stood behind them. But something else, there was what's called the kabod. What is the kabod? The kabod is another name for the Shekinah glory of God. This person appears behind you, standing on the ground, and is glowing. Now, would that freak you out a little bit? A lot. When we think about this, this bright light in a dark night with a message. And within this, we see this whole scene change. Great fear of this supernatural event. And he says, don't be afraid. Yeah, easy for you to say. I bring you good news of great joy. And it's a sudden invitation. Some of you have come to know the Lord and the, and the joy of the Lord because of an instantaneous transformation. God shares the word to you from a messenger, a friend, a pastor, something. And God does that instantaneous change in your heart. And within hearing that good news, you have great joy.
And, and, and God breaks through the darkness and the dreariness of your life. What's true about both people, the Magi and the shepherds, is God breaking through and inviting. What is true is God determined that He would come and He would personally invite. One was via an angel. The other was through science and Scripture and general revelation. But the key is the same. That unlocks the darkness. God. God comes and He invites. And however you have come to faith, or maybe this morning you haven't. It's not by chance you're here. God gave an invitation. God gave an invitation for you to be able to hear the good news that He has for you. What else do we find? Well, going back into our Matthew account. The Magi were was given this invitation and they were given specific instructions within this. In Matthew chapter 2, Verses 3 through 6, it says this. And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. Note, all of Jerusalem with him. We'll get to that. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes and the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They said, oh, in Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are no means least among the leaders of Judea, for out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people. Now, it's interesting that we see this. Herod heard about this. But he heard about it from the Magi, and then he turns... It always cracks me up, right? Herod turns to his wise guys. I'm sorry, not scribes. You're biblical scholars. Did you know about this? Oh yeah, we knew about this. You knew about this? I think I would have had another conversation with my scribes. Why did I not know about this? And they're like, oh yeah, we knew about this. One of the things that's interesting to me is the fact that the religious people knew that the Messiah was going to be born, and they did nothing about it. But these, these pagans studied the Scriptures... And they respond, do you know there's an awful lot of people that know a lot about the Bible that ignore the invitation of God? There's some really, really smart people when it comes to understanding the Scripture, and they do absolutely nothing, as hence these scribes. We see Herod hearing this, and he was frustrated. Herod was the type of ruler, when he heard about this, it says that... that Herod was troubled, and it says all the people were troubled. Why were all the people troubled by, with Herod? Because if the king freaks out, bad things happen. Right? You don't want to make the king mad. So Herod heard this, and he, he went to the scribes to conduct his, his, his own understanding of this. We know in a later context that when the Magi don't return... To tell Herod, as Herod will ask him to, when you find him, come back and tell me about it, so I might come worship him. Did he really want to worship him? He wanted to kill him. So the Magi were warned after leaving Herod, and they said, don't go back to him. And, and we know that Herod freaked out, and what did he do? He went after every two-year-old and under boy 
in the Bethlehem area and killed them all. Massacred them. Was it right for the land to be troubled by Herod? Yes, because you didn't know what this radical was going to do. Herod rejected the idea of a new king. He rejected the message, which is also interesting because he was half Jew. He should have been looking for the Messiah. You would think somebody that had access to the Scriptures and from the heritage would say this. Finally, the Messiah is here. He's going to be here and establish his new kingdom and he's going to kick out the Romans. But he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. Did God give Herod an invitation by the the Magi bringing this good news? Yes, but he rejected it. Why? Because of his own sinfulness. He, He instantly perceived it as a threat. Some people will hear the gospel message and see it as a threat to what? Their lifestyle. I don't want to hear the gospel message because it threatens my lifestyle. It threatens my being. It threatens my presuppositions within this. We think about all of Jerusalem being troubled and all the people. Was it good news? Not at that time. These chief priests and and the teachers should have known better. They quote Micah 5.2 within this. And they want to narrow the search. How bad was it? Again, Matthew chapter 2, verse 16 says this. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged, sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all the vicinity from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Genocide. From an evil king within this. We know that these magi, they were looking for this child. Why two years old and under? Because the, the infant word is brephos. And it means infant. The term that is used here is pation, which means it's a, a toddler of age. And he lied. So we have this tension where the magi are, what do we do? Do we go back? Do we stop this path that we're looking for? This, this king... Or do we keep going? In your search for joy and in your search for peace, you will run into people that will hinder that. That will, that will bring about conflict. That will challenge you. That will make it hard to continue that path. What should you do when you come across these people that make it hard to, to, to seek joy? To seek Christ. What do you do when some other force or energy comes in and tries to rob you of your joy? Should you accept that presupposition? No. Do not let anyone or anything rob you of your search for joy. If they don't want joy, it's on them. But for you, determine to seek after joy. Well, we come to the shepherds on the other side. In Luke 10 to 12, uh, chapter 2, it says this. But then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born, note, for you a Savior, 
who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, we know this text very well within this. But the angels come to them and they say, literally, we evangelize to you great joy. We share with you good news. Do you know when you share the gospel, you're sharing good news that brings great joy? You're sharing news that will change the trajectory of somebody for eternity. And you think about how that, new, that good news impacts people's lives. I think about Kiki's Charity, when we think about the gospel going into a place where the gospel has never been preached, and all of these people are hearing great news, and it's transforming whole households. What's required? Evangelism. That means you bring the news. What news? Good news. The good news that great joy. C.S. Lewis once said this, Joy is the serious business of heaven. Joy is the serious business of heaven. When we think about from Genesis to Revelation, it is one book that is meant to bring joy. That, that we're not trapped in the darkened world that's here. And it's an announcement. And he says, and this good news is for you to share with how many? All people. Do you know the gospel is not yours to keep and hide in your closet? It is not yours to keep shut up in your heart and say, well, I'm saved. Everybody else, you figure it out. No, the gospel message is meant for you to share with people. To live it out. Now, the angels came to these shepherds who were not all that literate in Scripture. that were not learned in astrology. But spoke to them in a means and a mode by which... These, these very common people could understand. And again, in, in your mind, you've got to think about this. You've got these shepherds, and we don't know how many there were. You're standing there. You've got a glowing guy that's there. and said, I've got good news for you. You see that town over there? Yeah, that town right there. Yeah, right there, joy has been born. Go find it. What does joy look like? A baby. A baby that is wrapped up in cloths and lying in a stone food trough. You'll find him. Won't take you long. He is the King. The Savior. The Mashiach. The Lord. The Anointed One. And so these Jews would say, Finally. Finally. The Messiah has come. Let's go find Him. They would search. And they were given directions. Follow the directions. But we can't miss the fact that joy is for you. Joy is born the day that you accept Jesus as your Savior and as your Lord. Because everything changes from that point. Joy is for real. Joy is not some message just of dopamine. Joy is in the person of Jesus Christ. You go down and you go hold joy. You can touch joy incarnate because He's real. 
What is real? God's promise is real. We have a number of people that have graduated recently to be with the Lord. And they die in faith. When does faith become real for them? When they leave this body and they're in the presence of God and they're looking at Jesus. A lamb that, that was slain on the marks of Jesus' body are going to be the nail prints from, from being nailed to the cross. And for their whole life, they've believed and accepted by faith that Jesus came and died on the cross for their sins, paying the price for their sins, no longer separated because they've been forgiven their whole life, and they died in faith believing that. And now stand and go, He is real. And there is joy in heaven. And there is worship in heaven. And there is celebration. Because joy becomes tangible. And it's available to everyone. Where does the weary soul go to find joy? Jesus. Lastly, we see that finding Jesus fills that heart full of joy. Matthew chapter 2, verses 9 through 12, back at the Magi, says this. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And coming into the house, note not the stable, the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, they fell to the ground and they worshipped him and then opened up their treasures and they presented him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. What ended up happening, the Magi followed the star, they followed the path and they found Jesus. And when they found Jesus, they fell down and they worshipped him with great joy. Why? Joy became real. And what did they present? The gifts that they had brought for a king. You know what's super cool about this? Those same gifts, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh, very super valuable. I mean, you think about just the value of, of, of all that they brought to a carpenter and his wife and this little child, and they have all of this value in this gifts. If you read the account later, God would warn Joseph and say, don't go back. Go to Egypt. You know what those gifts were used for? To finance their time in Egypt. Does God have a plan? Yes. Does God have a path for you to find joy? Yes. They followed the star and the star stood still over a house. Why a house? Because they were out of the stable, but they were still living in that place. They hadn't gone back to Nazareth within this. They didn't go back to Herod. They just came and they saw a prophecy fulfilled. They saw the star, they rejoiced. And they were filled with joy and they worshipped Him within this. They went to the right place to find Jesus. Do you know God has the right place for you to find Jesus? He does. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says this, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel, God with us. I want you to think for a moment on your path. 
how did you come to know who Jesus is? What were all the things that had to be put into place for you to come to recognize Jesus? And having seen Him, do you worship Him? God is not willing that any should perish. All should come to repentance. And God is orchestrating a path for every individual to follow. Whether you follow that path or not, that's up to you. Herod refused. The wise men sought him and found him within this. And they offered their gifts. The shepherds, Luke chapter 2, verses 16 and 20, we read, So they came in a hurry and they found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. The shepherds went back glorifying and praising God for all that they had seen, just as they had been told. What did they do? They grabbed their flocks, I'm sure, brought them down, put them in the central sheepfold that would have been in the town of Bethlehem, the big place where all the shepherds would put their sheep. And they started looking. Where? In the most unlikely place that you would find a baby. A stone food trough. Not a little wooden manger like we have in our, you know, little... A stone food trough. Think about, what was Jesus' first bed? A slab of stone. What was Jesus' last bed? A slab of stone. Jesus was born to be king. But he was also born to be savior. And would die on the cross. And three days later, after dying, rise again, conquering death. What is the joy that every weary soul needs to know? You need to know that when you die, that you'll live eternally in heaven because Jesus has saved you. That's the good news that brings great joy. And if you put your faith and trust in Him, it is a great guarantee. When will joy be fulfilled? When you see Jesus. And that's going to be an awesome time. Let's pray. God, I thank You. I thank You for Your Word. I thank You for the truth of Your Word. I thank You for all that You've given us. Lord, I know that, that whether there are people here in this room or watching online, that every single one of us live in a chaotic, darkened world that's trying to rob us of our joy. And there are times when Honestly, we have lost our joy. How do we find it again? We go to your word. We follow the path of your word that takes us to the throne of grace where Jesus sits. That we might see him, discover him, and be reminded that our sins are forgiven. And it's from that good news we'll find great joy. And perhaps, God, you would be so kind to send a, a messenger to us that would remind us where to look to find joy. Take some effort on our part. But, God, you never disappoint. We thank you that you provide joy in Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand real close.
come before you and worship you. Lord, I would pray that if there's anyone here that is experiencing anxiety or depression or even joylessness, instead of remaining in the darkness, that they would seek you out, Lord Jesus. 
and finding you, they would have great joy. May we take that message out to the world. Change the world around us by inviting the world to see you. Lead us, Holy Spirit, we pray in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen and Merry Christmas. Thanks for joining us in the study of God's Word with Pastor Kerry Wacker. We'd love to have you join us in person for worship each Sunday morning at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. We also meet Wednesday nights at 6.30 p.m. Warren Community Fellowship is located at 56523 Columbia River Highway in Warren, Oregon, between Scappoose and St. Helens. For more information about Warren Community Fellowship or about WCF Ministries, call us at 503-397-4387. And don't forget to like us on Facebook.